Hey everyone, this is Charles Skaggs, Jesse Jackson's partner in time on the award-winning Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast, and also his fellow Titan Talker on Titan Talk, the Titans podcast, wishing Jesse a very happy third anniversary for Set Lusting Bruce, the Bruce Springsteen podcast, that everybody should be listening to. And if you're not already, how are you listening to this? I'm kind of wondering, but... <laughs> Thanks. To, yeah, all my best to Jesse and uh, all of you out there, all you Bruce Buds out there. Uh, best wishes for the third anniversary. And uh, let's, uh, you know, like, hey, we were born to run, right? So take it. And Jesse, all my best. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and this week I am doing a makeup podcast. Uh, my guest, who I will introduce in just a moment, joined me several months ago, and we had a lovely talk, and somehow the recording got deleted and um he patiently checked like hey jesse when's our podcast going out like oh hold on let me check and we couldn't find it so i want to start out apologizing to you chris um i am so sorry that we lost the things of digital world but i am thrilled i have another chance to talk to you well um thanks jesse um, you know there's no problem with the deletion these things happen um you know thank you for inviting me and in, inviting me back to the podcast i'm looking forward to, <laughs> to doing it all again yes so why don't you tell us a little about yourself chris okay well i was born in england in 1970 um which where i grew up and then at the age of 20 i was wanting to travel the world a bit and i had an uncle here in South Africa. So I ended up coming out here originally just to stay maybe a couple of years. Um, but that, that was 28 years ago. So I've, I've stayed a bit longer than that. Um, so, yeah, um, I've still got some my fam, you know, some family back in the UK. Um, also got family here. Um, I've got a daughter seven year well she's almost eight year old daughter um and you know um i've recently recently got divorced unfortunately um but you know i've, I've got a bit of family here well first off um i wish you the best it's always awkward when someone gets a divorce because you know my first indication is always to go oh i'm so sorry and then I'm always worried, they're going, no, 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 we were making each other miserable. This is a happy thing. Uh, you know, so I always say, I hope it works out the best uh, for all involved. 
Um, yeah, the, uh, and I know you'll still be involved with your daughter, um, which is, yes. you know, you want to make it as easy for her as you can. Um, so, you know, you're, it's kind of similar, um, in 86, Chris and I, Linda and I, there was no Chris at the time, moved <laughs> to Dallas and, uh, it just became home. You know, it, it, it just truly did become home. And so uh, we've been there ever since. So I guess in your case, the same thing happened, right? It it just became, South Africa became home. Yes. Um, and, you know, when you come, I don't think you realize, especially when you come by yourself, how difficult it is to start a new life. You, you don't realize the things you're leaving behind. You're leaving your family your friends, um, you know, and, and you realize there's no one quite like your parents to look out for you. Um, you know, when they're 6,000 miles away, you know, it's tough. You, you have to, you have to be, you know, it makes you a harder person um, because you've got to stand up for yourself. Um, you know, in, in, you know, you've got to take care of everything. Um, and I think, you know, also, but then, you know, when you sort of have a, certain amount of success, you know, managed to manage to buy a flat, um, you know, get a reasonable job. So I think it makes the achievements that much more satisfying because you've sort of changed the direction of your life. You know, you've made made things a little bit, you know, uncomfortable, you know, even though you weren't intending them to be uncomfortable, but you sort of overcome them. Um, you know, you've sort, sort of succeeded. Yeah, I, that's a really good point. Chris, because um, we moved here to 86. Um, we had a no other family here in Dallas, and we're only seven hours away. So um, much closer than as you're just discussing. But it's still far enough away that um, you can't just get in the car and head out without a little bit of planning. Um, and we had our Chris Jackson at um, 89, and we had to kind of, there was not the safety net of Linda's parents or my parents, which both still lived in Louisiana, as, uh, oh, the kid's sick, well, let's stop by grandma's, you know. Um, it, you tended to be um, a little more independent and a little more um, self-sufficient. So I, I do think that's a really good point, and it's something that um, I don't know if I recommend it, but it is something that um, makes a lot of sense, and, and it, it is a, a way to grow. Yeah, you know, it, you know, I guess it's not for everyone, but I, I just had this at that time – I had friends who had traveled, um, and I wanted to, you know, I wanted to travel. I wanted to see a bit of the world. And I think if I hadn't have done it, you know, I would, I would regret it, you know. Um, yeah. I just felt there was, you know, it's a bit like, you know, <laughs> going on to Bruce. Uh, it's a bit like Thunder Road, you know, or, or Born to Run. You did it, did it, did something over the horizon and you just got to go and see it. You know, you don't, yeah. you don't know what's really there. Um, 
but you think it's a better place, um, you know, you, you, you've just got sort of this compelling urge to go. Yeah, and um, yeah, I, this is interesting because um, you you're independent. You're trying to find their way, and um, Bruce talks about that. So many of his songs are about escape and about leaving, yeah. and then he made the joke that he lives twenty minutes from where he was born. Uh, so, um, so I guess he's gone full circle. What about South Africa spoke to you once you got there? I mean, I realized originally you went there because you had a, a relative and you could spend some time. But once you got there, what about it spoke to you? And what about it said, this might be a good place to build my home? Um, well, for, you know, start, it's a nice climate here you know we have like a an all-year summer really in Durban um, which is on the Indian Ocean side um, you know it's, it's very hot in the summer which is February March time very humid um, but in the rest of the year it's it's warm you know it's very varying degrees of warmth like we've just come out of winter um, where the you know which we could say is cold, but, uh, you know, it gets to 20, 25 degrees, that, that sort of temperature most days. Um, so, it's, you know, it's, it's a nice, nice climate. And also at that time, which was 1990, you know, there was a lot of change going on in South Africa and also I think all over the world. Um, you know, that there was the Berlin Wall coming down. There was... Tiananmen Square, okay, well, that didn't work out quite so well, but, um, there, you know, the, the Iron Curtain was falling, there was, um, you know, in Russia, things were, you know, easing, and, you know, apartheid was finishing in South Africa, so it was, being here, it felt like now you're, you're something big's happening, you're sort of being part of history, you know, this is, it's a, it's a, it's a historic moment. Um, in time and you know you, you could almost see things getting better um, you know I came into came to the country a bit naive about maybe this political situation um, but then you, you realize it's actually you know a better country's developing um, from what it was so you know I think that, that was an exciting thing and like I said you know when you're late teens, early 20s, you've, you've got this optimistic outlook on life. You think there's a better world, a more united, unified world. And then, you know, this is your chance to be part of it. Um, you know, unfortunately, in more recent times, it seems there's, there's people who, you know, who now want to go the other way. But, that's, that, you know, that's another, that's another topic. Yes, it is. Um, it is. You know, I was, and I, I think we talked about this when we first discussed, um, I had no concept of growing up in Louisiana, um, South Africa, um, had a vague, um, you know, I assumed it was, it sounds very naive, but it must be in Africa, it's South Africa, right? It's South America's and the Americans. And it wasn't until little Stephen brought up apartheid 
that I had any concept of this. Um, and, you know, as a 25, 26-year-old uh, living in Louisiana, you know, I, I certainly knew um, a lot of um, prejudice. And uh, growing up in the Deep South, I certainly saw it. Um, luckily, uh, I was blessed with a dad and a uh, mother that were fairly open-minded. My dad was in the Army, and he talked about there was no black or white. Everyone was just green. Um, and so I – but I kind of felt for that. And I I think that must have been interesting for a young man coming from the United Kingdom, you know, England, to go there. And then you it, – it, it must have been really surprising to you, correct? Um, I think it was, you know, it's, uh, you know, and you know, we, we, in England, and I suppose in the US, you probably saw a lot of the, the sort of riots and violence on TV in the 80s, you know, but um, that was going on here. And then you get here and it's a different, it's, it's not what's represented on the, on the news, you know, it's, it's a different, it's far more complicated um you know and it, and it you know i could this is too complicated to really you know <laughs> get into much depth now um but you just see how things work differently um you know obviously it was very unfair um and unjust um but you know it I, you know I, it's 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 difficult to it was just totally different i think to what i'd what i'd imagined um yeah you know, it's the same thing with northern ireland like in growing up in the uk that was like our vietnam you know every yes. night we saw we'd see pictures of um supposed terrorists with balaclavas on and you know tear gas and then there'd be british troops firing rubber bullets at them or maybe real bullets at, at times and then you know bombs we'd hear of bombs going up and you just think it's like a total war zone and you know all, all Northern Irish people must be, you know, real, really rotten. My, my dad used to go to Northern Ireland at that time on business. And one um, one weekend, some business colleagues from from of his from Northern Ireland came, you know, came over to England. And they came to us, you know, they, they, they came to us for Sunday lunch. And, you know, you're not knowing what to expect. You, you know, you don't know if they're going to come in. With, with, we are wearing balaclavas and holding AK-47s and hand grenades. Or <laughs> what are these people like? And they were the nicest people I've ever met. They're just, you know, it was just such a coming from this place where you just see war, you know, on TV every night. And it, like, these were the, the nicest people I've ever met. They were, they were lovely people. And, you know, your whole, your whole, view of it you know totally change it so yeah I, th I think you know until you meet people and you, you can't really tell what a situation is like i i think that is very well spoken and true i promise listeners we're going to get away from uh this serious topic um but <laughs> I, you know I, no no i i think it's you know and i i think it's fascinating because um you know so much of bruce's music was affected by how he grew up and yeah. what he saw 
And, um, you know, he's been very vocal about, especially after he played the Super Bowl, that he had always hoped that his band would play a wide audience, that he wanted to play for everyone, right? Yeah. And he said, you know, for this day, he was. And it made him and the band very happy. Um, talk about growing up and with music. What kind of music did your family listen to? And what kind of music did you listen to as you started reaching your teenage years? Okay. Well, my, yeah, my, my father wasn't really musical. Funny if he worked for um, Phillips um, in the, and he, you know, in the sort of audio department. Um, but he wasn't a very, you know, he never really had much of an interest in music. But my mum, she's very musical. She sings, yeah, she's 70, almost 74 now, and she, she still sings in a choir. Um, and, you know, I remember in the 70s and 80s, she'd be listening. Yeah, she used to, used to be like a radio in the, the kitchen, so whatever she was doing, she'd always be listening to music. There's always music in the car. Um she liked people like the Carpenters, um, Cliff Richard, ABBA. I suppose generally the you know the a lot of the pop stuff of the late seventies and and early eighties. Um, and you know I I still listen to some of that music as well. You know it reminds me of that time. And it you know it's, it's pretty good music. I think it's you know it's it's lasted well. Um. You know, what's interesting, I'm going to stop you there, Um, Chris. um, You know, Terry Smith was on the podcast uh, just recently. We did the – Yeah, he talked about um, Cliff Richards, right? And, and, um, you know, as an American, I don't think we understood what an icon he was in the UK. No, no, he – he, he was, you know, he's, he's, I suppose he's like our Elvis, you know, because he appeared at about the same time. And, you know, in the late 70s, he'd already been around for over 20 years. And he was still making number one records. And, um, you know, even today, I think he's still releasing um, records. Um, you know, I think, as Terry said, he's gone very much to the middle of the road. But, you know, the there's there's certain songs, especially I think, especially like from the the 70s, the last part of the 70s. There's some pretty good stuff, um, yeah, worth listening to. Um, yeah, so that was, um, you know, yeah, she she liked him. Yeah. Um, just trying to think what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. Um, no, that's fine. Because, and, yeah, because I'm sure. Um, you know, your, your parents' taste, and that's one of the reasons I always ask that question, is I do think your parents influence your um, musical taste in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, no, no, definitely. And also my mum liked, and, and my dad, I guess, they liked um, like um, musicals, movies, and, you know, I think they... Um, you know, they went to a few um, West End shows, um, that that type of thing. And, you know, I remember one of the first movies I saw was The Sound of Music. Um, you know, it was the days before VHS, so it was it was a rerun at the at a local cinema. 
Um, and that, you know, I, I still enjoy that. And my, you know, I, I try and get my daughter as well, encourage her to, to like things like that. Um, yeah, so it was an influence. And I, myself, for a long time, up until I was like 15, I didn't really have like an, a musical direction. I'd, I'd sort of listen to what was ever, um, you know, popular. You know, if there was a, you know, and, and, and British sort of music radio, Radio One, which was the biggest, you know, music station, which probably still is. Um, you know, it's, it's like the pop station, but it's very focused on here and now. They, they play a song to death for like four weeks, literally like four times a yes, day. Yes, yes, exactly. And, Heavy and, rotation. And then, then, then it just disappears, um, which I think, you know, sort of manipulates the charts a little bit because then it ends up, what you know, they're deciding what's going to be popular because they just play it to death until um, till everyone's fed up with it. Um, so, you know, I, I just... If there's if some songs I liked, some songs I didn't like, but I didn't really have like a musical direction. Um, and then the first time I remember hearing Bruce, is I, I had like a compilation tape, it was like now that's what I call music, or, or one of those tapes in about um, 1985, and it had Dancing in the Dark on it. And, you know, I thought this was quite a good song, but. I, I didn't think it was particularly special. I didn't, you know, I, I, I was aware of British, you know, born in the USA was, was big in the UK. Well, it's big everywhere. Um, so I was aware of born in the USA and aware of the selling sort of, you know, millions of copies. But, I, you know, I had no urge to go and investigate him more. And then the first band, I became sort of obsessed with was Dire Straits. And I think I told you this in the first, you know, the first interview the my favorite Dire Straits song was Tunnel of Love. And I got into them at the beginning of 86. And I literally for like a year, I think that's all I listened to. Um, and then at the beginning of 87, Bruce released the live Born to Run from this live 75 to 85. And I heard that on the radio. Um, they were playing it, you know, fortunately it was getting heavy rotation. Um, so I thought, wow, this is fantastic. You know, it was just, you know, just this sound, I've just, you know, just heard nothing, nothing like this. Um, and I went and bought the seven inch single. And I think the, I don't think a seven inch single could sort of carry that much information, but was in that, in that song, you know, cause it, it, it's, I want to say noisy. It's not, you know, it's obviously a good song, but there's a lot of, there's a lot going on, especially in that version. Um, there's a lot of noise. So I, yeah, it wasn't actually very clear on a seven inch record. So I, I just got a CD player and I went and put the CD single. Which are Johnny 99, Seeds, and Spirit in the Night also on it. And that was, you know, that was much better. It sounded a lot, a lot better. Um, and 
you know, no, no, no. I just was going to comment. You're, you're talking about the seven inch record. And of course it comes to mind, uh, the lyrics from Bruce on no surrender, where we learn more from a three minute record baby than we ever learned in school. (laughs) Um, it is that little bitty disc, um, that single, um, did speak volumes to us it it yes. there was so much another world there and expanding us so i and what i find absolutely beautiful and this is going to kind of cross corny but you know people all over the world are experiencing similar emotions because of michael jackson's music or you know uh, madonna's music or prince or Dire Straits uh, or, you know, Bruce, yeah. uh, the police, to go on and on, where it is across nations, it's across cultures. Um, it just, you, you're all kind of being brought together through this magic. Mm. Yeah, no, d- definitely. Um, and then, you know, and it, you know, obviously it made an impression on me. But then I, again, I, I wasn't, I wasn't um, motivated to go and buy buy any more of his records, and I don't know why. I don't, it's just it sounds crazy now, mm-hmm. um, you know. And then about six months later, I I heard that he was bringing out album Tunnel of Love, and my favourite Dar Straits song was called Tunnel of Love. And you know, I'm thinking now is he is he covering a Dar Straits song, um, or is it a different song? Um, you know, in, in those days you, it was difficult to get information. You know, there was no internet, so you couldn't. You know, there was, was no forums you could go on to, or you know, to try and find out what, what's exactly on an album. You just had to either wait for the song to be played on the radio, or or go and buy it. Um, so I went and bought it. I think it was like the second week it was was out. And then, you know, knowing Bruce for Born to Run and Born in the USA, you're thinking, you know, it's going to be a something, you know, heavy rock type start to it. And then it starts off, you know, with um, Ain't Got You, which is a cappella, you know. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> you're thinking, well, you know, is this the right, have they put the right disc in this cover? Um, you know, it was quite a surprise. Um, you know, it was like totally different to what I was expecting, which is probably the same for, for, you know, for everyone. And then, you know, I listened to it thought, well, you know, that's, that's that. Then I, you know, I, I wanted to listen to it again. I, I felt, and I, I just kept listening to it and the songs grew on me. You know, it's not, I wouldn't say, you know, you, you instantly get the the melodies in a lot of them, but it's it's one of those albums that grows on you the more you listen to it. Um, and, you know, as you get older, you know, the, the, the songs have a different meaning, especially, you know, from being a 17-year-old, you sort of got an idea of, what the songs are on about in your mind. You, you think you know, you know, obviously when you're 17, you think you know everything. Um, and you think you know what he's talking about. But then when you're 48, 
they've got a different meaning um and you you know you really know what he's talking about and um like i said you know i've just been going through a divorce and at the sort of one of the low points over these last few months i, I was listening to it I, I don't know which song i got to but i actually had to stop listening to it it just hit such a raw nerve um you know and you know which i think obviously he was drawing from his experiences and you know similar experiences yeah um yeah so it's you know it's one of those albums you know which is sort of i like as much now as i did then probably like it even more now you know you can you appreciate more you know what he's what he's what he's trying to say yeah and you know chris um i can't remember now but someone on the podcast mentioned that um you have to have your heart broken a couple times before you really appreciate tunnel of love um and i don't know if that's totally true but it feels true um and you talking about it going through this uh painful transition there is that a lot where it shares you know where you're going oh wow i yeah. i i feel that i know what that's feel i know what he's talking about yeah mm -hmm. and also you know it's there's another um this uh, walk like a man and that, that song i don't know I, I like that song a lot it's one of those songs which i sort of hum to myself in my head a lot um and again the the meaning of that change like if you 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 know, to, you, when you first listen to it, you pick up certain parts of the song, but you, you maybe don't listen clear, closely to the rest of it. And I, I thought maybe, you know, I, I didn't necessarily think he was talking about his own experiences, because you know, sometimes he took, you know, obviously some of the stories he tells are, are not, not his stories. He's, he's, you know, talking in someone, you know, someone else's experience. And it, it sounded to, you know, when I first heard it, I thought it was like a sister maybe who had been abused. Um, and then I thought, oh, maybe it's his, his wife to be or something. It's but, and then, then I obviously realized eventually it was about his father. Um, and yeah, I suppose then, you know, it wasn't as well known. His relationship with his father wasn't as well, well publicized. Uh, but there's a lot of songs like that, you know, you, you sort of pick up bits and then you, you, you set your mind that, that, that's what the, that, that's what the, that, that's what it's about. And then, you know, until you finally find out that it's about something else, but you, you sort of twist it to, <laughs> to your own meaning. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if, as you continued your Springsteen journey, um, I take it you became checked on more and more albums and became bigger fans. Yeah, you know, I, I, a little while after that, I bought um, Born to Run, um, you know, which I sort of instantly loved. Um, then I just the next album I got was Greetings. Um, then I think I got live 75 to 85. 
just before Christmas that year, 1987. And then I bought my first bootleg, which I found in a record, uh, sort of, it was a record shop in Cambridge, um, which had sort of an upstairs section where they, they sort of sold, um, secondhand records and had a few bootlegs there as well. Uh, <laughs> but the, the bootleg I bought, I didn't realize it when I bought it. It was the, it was of the Roxy show, which is most of the first disc on <laughs> live 75 to 85. <laughs> so <laughs> I was buying a bootleg of an album I'd already got. <laughs> uh, but and it was a few good, I must say there was a, there was some excellent version of, um, Thunder Road on there, which wasn't it was a different Thunder Road. Plus, um, it was the first time I heard Prove It All Night with the, you know, the guitar solo, you know, before it. So it was that was it was worth it. it. Was there were some other good tracks on, so it was it was a good buy. Um, and then yeah, I, I just so Chris, just, um, yeah. how about seeing him live? Yeah, I could that I. I only got to see him live in 2014. After um, all those years of being a fan, you get yeah, your chance. That's that's so al- cool. Almost got the chance in 1988 when he came to England at Wembley, but um, I didn't. I, I couldn't really afford it. I was I was sort of toying with the idea, and I decided not to. Um, and then I think, as I told you in the previous one. I think just feeling sorry for myself, I wanted to go and see a concert that night. Um, and I went to see Aztec Camera. I'm in London. And the first thing Roddy Frame said as he came onto the stage was, I couldn't get Springsteen tickets either. <laughs> oh, I, that must have made the audience go crazy. That must, yeah. They just have, must have laughed at that. That is classic. Oh, um, you know, I guess just wanted to be some, you know, wanted to be in a at a concert. Yeah. That that <laughs> night. Um. Anyway, so obviously when I came to South Africa, um, he didn't come to South Africa until beginning of 2014. Right. Um, and he played three concerts in Cape Town and one in Johannesburg. And as Johannesburg's closer to me, I've got tickets for. For that concert, um, fortunately, I had someone to stay with there, and drove up the you know the day before, and then we the day of the concert we queued all day. They had a um, they were trying to set up like a roll call, you know, for for numbers, but it, it just wasn't working. So we just decided we'd just stand there, and I think I was number. 21 or something or 23 so you know we were right at the front of the queue um i think we stood there from eight in the morning till whenever they let us in um and you know that they let the i think it was the first 500 in first and then and it was like such a spine tingling moment they they had um like a two lines of security guards across the car park where we had to walk across to get to the you know, the stadium entrance. So it's what you like walking between these lines of security guards. You know, it's, it's almost like now we're being treated like celebrities. 
Um, and then you, know, you, you get there and we, we were right by the stage, um, just to the side of the stage. And I, I guess that was about one at four, half past four in the afternoon. And so we you know, just sort of sat around. And a few, you know, a few more people came in. And suddenly we see this guy walking down, down the steps of the stage. I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah, he looks familiar. <laughs> and it was Bruce. It, it, you know, he come on early to. This was like five o'clock, maybe quarter past five or something. You know, concert was supposed to start at nine o'clock. Yeah, you know, I think nine o'clock. And it, you know, he just walked onto the stage and started playing a few songs and it was just you know it, it uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how to describe it you know seeing someone i've seen in two dimensions so many times yeah they actually seeing him in three dimensions um yeah it was just just amazing what a <laughs> it was a surprise but a you know a great surprise um so you know, he, he sang a few acoustic um numbers and there's a you know i think there's a video on youtube and i'm i'm in the video oh nice uh, <laughs> all right be sure and send me the link and that yeah. way i'll include it in the show notes very nice and then the main concert started um a few hours later and yeah it was you know it was it was amazing it's um it was I don't know. Yeah, it just the 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 things he did. Like it started raining, and yeah, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't going anywhere. Some some of the crowd left, but I wasn't. I wasn't. You know, could have. A meteorite could have struck. I was going to stay where I was. Yeah, absolutely. And and, what he did, he he started playing Johnny Ninety Nine, like um, like a Seeger Sessions version of Johnny Ninety Nine. I think went on for about eleven minutes. And a big sort of horn um, section in you know in the, in the in the in the middle, and they all came out onto like the catwalk in the rain with us. And so now you're you're thinking, oh, you know, suddenly the rain doesn't matter. He's in the rain, you're in the rain. So what? Everybody's getting wet. Um, who cares? Um, so I think you know something like you know like like that. You know, he just knows how to read the crowd. He knows. He knows what to do next. Um, and then, you know, when he played Born to Run, he, you know, you know, came up to the edge of the stage and put his guitar down. So I got to touch his guitar, um, you know, while he's doing like the other sort of guitar solo just before the last verse. So that was quite a, <laughs> quite a thrill. Yeah, I I can. It, it's just um, it, that you know it sounds so perfect mm. that you've been able to, um, you know, that show so magical, and you know I complain at times living here in Texas how hard it is, you know you you have to travel to go see him, but um, at least I'm in the same country. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so um, I I I uh, I always think about that when I am, um, you know, when I'm complaining, I should go. Okay, remember there are people 
a lot worse, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, that was sort of, I don't really have a bucket list, but if I did have a bucket list, that would, that would definitely be one of the things which would have, was at the top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, hopefully he'd come back again and said he was going to come back. So, you know, maybe once he's finished Broadway, you know, he's set off on another tour. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I think so. Um, the, as you've gone through your career or, you know, your Springsteen journey, how, um, you kind of shared a little bit about how Tunnel of Love has, um, been at times really, uh, touched you during this current phase in your life, but is there, um, other songs or albums that you have meant a lot to you have been a, um, you know, an influence to you or comfort to you? Yeah, I think, you know, different songs at different times. And like I say, you, you, you pick out the, you sort of cherry pick the bits of songs that seem to mean some, you know, apply to you. And then you just sort of twist the rest of the song to, <laughs> you know, to mean something to you as well. Um, I remember, you know, um, I had a relationship and a long time ago now. Um, unfortunately, the, the the girl I was um, seeing her her family wasn't too keen on on the whole thing. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it, it may be. When, when I listen to Jackson Cage, I, um, that sort of makes me think of that. I always get the impression it's, 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 it's a woman who's being sort of forced to lead a life. Um, you know, she's not, not happy with who doesn't want to lead, but, you know, circumstances, you know, are, are forcing her to, to, you know, to take that direction. Um, and I think also point blank, um, you know, that, that's another one that, um, you know, I'd, I'd sort of find quite a bit of meaning in it. Um, yeah, but it, it, it depends. You know, if, if you're going through tough times in a relationship, then you, you tend to gravitate towards those songs because it helps that someone else is singing about your problem. You know, you're, you're sort of sharing, you're sharing the same problem. Um, you know, when, when sort of love life is going better, you, you, you tend to, you know, listen to something else. You, 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 not the first songs you put on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the uh, I wanted to get with you because, um, as I do most episodes, I want to ask you the Mary question. Um, when, um, as for those of you who this is your first episode, Jay Ferguson has been on the show. He is an honors English teacher. And he always has his students go through a segment where they read Thunder Road as a poem, comparing it to um, Robert Frost, The Road Less Traveled, among other things. And at the end of the two days where they cover the show, cover the poem, Jay asks the students a question, does Mary get in the car? So, Chris, what's your thoughts? Uh, this one's, you know... 
when I was in my teens, I would have said definitely yes. You know, that that was like, okay, I, you know, I obviously moved or went, you know, traveled, explored. You know, if, if I'd had someone to do it with, I'd, you know, that, that would, would have been ideal. But now, so, you know, the teenage me would have said definitely yes. You know, that, that, that's like the ultimate romantic um, dream. Um, but sort of older me <laughs> said, you know, it's less like, I don't know, it, it's, you know, it, it, relationships are, are not just sort of riding off into the sunset and living happily ever after. Uh, you know, maybe things have made me more cynical. Um, but, you know, to to do that, okay, as a young person, it's not so bad because you don't have that much to leave behind, you know, sort of material things. And you've, you've got your whole life ahead of you to, you know, to build things up. Um, oh God, so I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I, 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 it's... I'd like her to, and I think in the song maybe she does because the the way it it you know the the, the lead out to it, I mean the yeah you know, the lead out of the song is like so triumphant, um, you know and the the way you know when he does it live and dances across the stage and um runs and slides along the stage and gives Clarence a kiss. Um, you know, yeah. it's, it's like just like jubilation. So, yeah, I, I think she does. Yeah, you know, because does. I think what's interesting is um, there. I agree. You know, I'm an optimist, so I always think she gets in the car. But I do think there is that discussion of is is she afraid? Can she take that leap? Uh, can she cross the front porch to my, yeah. you know, you know, porch to my front seat? Um, and and I think you can certainly make the argument that she's too afraid to make that choice. Um, so yeah. well done, sir. Well done. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, what? Um, any final thoughts, Chris? Before I let you get back to your afternoon. Um, the the other thing, though, I guess. You know, the, the, the one thing is, you know, when I got into Bruce, it was, he was, you know, in the second half of his 30s. And I I thought, well, that must be the end of his career. I thought, you know, when they brought up live 75 to um, 85, I thought that was, you know, sort of a, a bookend to his career. And then, yeah, because in those days it wasn't, there wasn't so many old rock stars. You know, most of them hadn't had the chance to grow old. They either died or given up. Um, you know, there was okay, the Rolling Stones and were was was sort of putting out a variety, you know, sort of stuff. You know, some of it good and some of it not so good. Um, the Beatles were gone, so you know, there, there wasn't that many rock stars in the sort of forties and. Um, 50s, you know, especially, uh, you know, producing good new music, you know, uh, maybe just playing their, you know, old heads. Um, 
it's half what I was getting him at the end of his career, you know, and I, you know, I was surprised, uh, you know, even after Tunnel of Love, I thought, well, that, that, you know, that must be, that must be the end of it. I can't expect anything more. Um, and so it's, it's, and since then, it's always been a surprise. I've always been, I've always sort of thought, oh, um, you know, surely this is the last album. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's bound to retire. But, you know, now I think, well, you know, I hope it's not. I hope he's not going right. <laughs> to. Yes. hope there's more. But, you know, especially the, the, I suppose the albums that have surprised me most was The Rising. You know, that was, especially after, you know, it was the first E Street album in, you know, almost 20 years. Um, and it, um, you know, did that, it was a different sound than we'd been used to. It was something original. And it, it suddenly, it, it took all the, all sort of, you know, the thoughts and, um, emotions you're having after 9-11. You know, I think the whole world was, you know, a lot of the world. And it, it sort of put them sort of neatly on a CD. Um, and again, you know, it helps. And, when you listen to someone talking about something and explaining the circumstances in a, in a way that makes sense, um, you know, and it, it's, yeah, I, I felt that, you know, it, it sort of gives a human face to, you know, to the people who died um, and the people who were left without, you know, loved ones after 9-11. Yes. Um, you know, it, instead of just being statistics, you know, like, for instance, you're missing. I find, you know, I find that a very, you know, can it sends a shiver up my spine when I listen to it. Um, you know, presumably it's, uh, and, it, and it's also, you know, it's quite, quite rare. He's singing, from, uh, as I understand it, he's singing from a woman's perspective, um, you know, about a, Missing husband. Um, you know, maybe it's maybe I'm misunderstanding it. You know, it might be different, but that's how I, I understand it. Yeah, sure. I find that very very chilling. Um, you know, in, in a in a good way. Um, so yeah, that that was a surprise. And then the, the, the um, magic as well. You know, when I first put magic on, I thought, you know, what the hell's this? Um, it sounded totally, you know totally different to anything I'd heard before. And I thought, you know, is this really any good? But again, you listen to it over and over again and the melodies come out and, you know, it's, it's now probably one of my top three albums. Well said. He does continue to surprise us. I do think there is a lot of music left in his soul and I hope we get to hear a lot of it. I, you know, the rumor is, right, he has a completed album that we're waiting on him to release. Um, and it certainly feels like he wants to get back on the road soon. Hopefully he's going to head to South Africa, my friend, so you can see him again. Yeah, well, I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Mm -hmm. When the Broadway's going on till December, isn't it? Yeah, December 15th, yes. And then there's going to be on Netflix the show, so... People who have not been able to see it will get to see it, which I think is going to be great. Yeah, so good. 
Well, okay, uh, Chris, thank you so much. This was wonderful. We will have to do it again. If someone wants to reach you, I believe you're on Twitter. You want to yeah, share? Twitter is probably the better, best way. Um, it's Flickris, F-L-I-C-K-R-I-S. Very nice. And if you want to reach the show, I am at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. On Twitter, we are at setlustingbruce. My personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. Please go to iTunes to rate and review us. That is how people find us. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Jesse. And I think we'll end with, well, now the years have gone and I've grown from that seed you've sown. But I didn't think there'd be so many steps I'd have to learn on my own. Well, I was young and didn't know what to do when I saw your big steps stolen away from you. Now I'll do what I can. I'll walk like a man and I'll keep on walking. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Chris. We'll talk to you soon. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.